I want to run a million dollar firm. This is probably the thing that I hear the most from lawyers. And a lot of them come up with it just because it sounds like a great number. They don't understand what they need to have in place to do it. They don't understand the headaches that might come with it. They don't really have a reason for the number. And that's why I am so, so, so super excited to have this chat. For those of you that know Davina Frederick, like, you know why I'm excited for it anyway. But also our topic today, we're going to be talking about how to scale your law firm to that 1 million number, but with total ease, getting the things in place, making sure it's right. You know, more is not always better. Um, so I assume that pretty much all of you know her, but if not, she is a fellow Florida licensed attorney like me, a law firm growth strategist and founder of Wealthy Woman Lawyer. Wealthy Woman Lawyer helps women law firm owners scale their law firm business to and through that seven figure $1 million mark with total ease. You can learn more about her by listening to her awesome podcast, the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast by visiting wealthywomanlawyer.com, following her on Instagram at Wealthy Woman Lawyer or joining the Wealthy Woman Lawyer free group on Facebook. And I know Davina is kind of smiling for those of you listening to this. You would be so surprised how few people have the same name everywhere. So this makes it easier. This is awesome. Clearly lets you know that she knows exactly what she's talking about. Um, she also, in addition to coaching women law firm owners, she's the author of not one, but two books, The Wealthy Woman Lawyer's Guide to Law Firm Marketing in the Virtual Age and The Wealthy Woman Lawyer's Guide to a Systems-Driven Law Firm Business. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I've been excited about this. We've had it on the calendar for a little while. You came on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. Uh, we probably could have talked for two or three hours then. So this gives us a chance to continue the conversation. So I'm super excited. Thank you. I know, but unlike on your podcast, I'm not going to talk. This is going to be this is going to be your hour. <laughs> you you gave me a, some wonderful time there. So I'm uh, not. I don't want to say returning the favor because it's not the right thing. But I am so. I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to try to refrain from asking you questions because I don't know if I can help but to ask questions because it's just kind of what I do. <laughs> That's true. So, I mean, look, lawyers, right? Like at the end of the day, law school teaches you how to think everybody else is full of it and ask a bunch of questions. So exactly. Um, is there anything that I missed from your bio before we dive into this, how to scale your law firm to 1 million with total ease? That's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. I will tell you my books. Uh, the first book I wrote was a book about marketing. And the reason I chose to write about marketing first was because my background prior to becoming a lawyer, I had a career in marketing for 15 years and professional services marketing and I'm a professional writer and so my first book I wrote for that reason and also because, because that's kind of how I got into uh, serving other law firm owners uh, was starting from that angle but also because it's kind of the place where we start our journey as we're growing our law firm business is is with getting clients if you don't have clients you don't have a business you're running a charity or a hobby so that's why I started there. And then my second book is, we, we were trying to get it out. Apparently there's a paper shortage. So it's been holding up the printing, although we're about to bring it out virtually. Um, my second book, which is about how to build a systems driven law firm. And it's all about systems because we're always seeing you and I both everywhere in all the lawyer forum, forums. What system, how do I do a system? How do I make my business more systematic? So I've written a book about it and I've uh, created a companion course to go with it. So all of that is coming out soon. You guys watch for that. Hopefully it'll get out sooner rather than later. <laughs> well, hey, I'd rather it be done right than quickly, right? I mean, uh, this yes, is, right. it, it's, 
what you've talked about are truly the foundation of really any business, but obviously the law firm, like you have to be able to do the work, which requires the systems. You have to be able to get the work, which requires the marketing. So you really hit the nail on the head with those. Yeah. Yeah. So we started, we start the journey there with the, with the marketing, but what I find is that usually if you're a uh, startup firm, you are, that's when you're starting, that's when you're thinking about getting clients. There's a couple different phases where you think about getting clients. First one is when you're first starting out. And then as you grow, can I, can I pause for one second? Um, I want to talk about our last episode and then I want to dive into this because I know we're going to have okay, a little yeah. bit longer conversation here. So just for a quick 10 or 15 seconds, our last episode aired quite a while ago. That was, uh, we had the wonderful Regina Edwards on for those of you that don't know Regina. She runs the lawyer on the beach page. She's a family law attorney out of Atlanta. She talked to us about client boundaries versus handholding, how to buy your clients and still have a life. So if you are that lawyer that is working a million hours a week, but also responding to client stuff and being, uh, I want to say bulldozed by your clients, you really have to listen to some of the insight that Regina shares. With that being said, now I want to come back because I love you're talking about looking for clients at different stages. And I think that is so huge. Like what what got you here won't get you there, et cetera. So exactly. the first stage you were talking about was that new firm, right? Well, yeah, right. So the new firms, you're starting out just trying to figure out you're trying to figure out this whole marketing thing. And if people don't realize, you know, you and I uh, being in the marketing sort of biz, um, we know all the, that there are so many different options and marketing is kind of an umbrella term for a lot of different things. And one of the reasons why I wrote that book to begin with is because I know what it is like to be an attorney and have uh, everybody thinks you got deep pockets and they're coming at you with all, and they say they're marketers we're a marketer and our marketing thing is going to be the thing that's going to help you, you know, do whatever, do X. And so I created the book so that attorneys who do not have a background in marketing, who don't feel comfortable with marketing can read it. So they have a language, they have a, an understanding of what different, um, of what different uh, marketing, what, what marketing means, how we figure out what kind of marketing we need all the different sort of marketing options that are out there available to us. So that when somebody comes and says, I'm in marketing, they can say, oh, do you sell Google ads or you, you know, do you design websites or do you help people manage their social media? Because these are all different sorts of things that people can do for marketing. A lot of people, I remember back in the day, you know, people say they were marketing people when they were selling phone book ads, you know, or, or whatever. And so you have to kind of understand what that means. So when somebody approaches you that way, because we're always getting approached with people who think they have the next big idea. This helps you just get some language about what that means. And of course it's, it's always evolving and changing and, and things like that. So this is not, this is not a book that is for the marketing pros who've been doing it forever, who are looking for the technical solutions to this or that. This is really about, okay, this isn't your thing. You went to law school, you want to be a lawyer, but here you are running a business. You have to understand marketing. And so this is there to help sort of those people out. But ultimately what happens is, is that once you start getting successful, then what's the next thing that happens? You're getting clients and then you're getting the work. And then you're like, oh my God, I don't have time to market because I got to do the work. And so everybody gets in that feast and famine cycle. You know, we're familiar with that term, feast and famine. And, right, exactly. And so you have to figure out how to get this work done and how to continue marketing and what are the best avenues. Over time, as we mature in our business as business owners, we start looking at different types of marketing than what we may start out doing, you know, in the beginning, because we may be looking at how can I make things so that it's not always me <laughs> doing everything. Right. So, well, and, 
and the crazy thing, I guess, so first, please, anybody listening to this, watching this, like, do not be embarrassed if you have this problem. Like, legalese exists because I blew, like, over $200,000 on terrible marketing. Like, so trust me, I, I hope you have not gotten to the level that I, or that, I don't know, the level down, yeah. I don't know, that I got to. Um, it's You're totally, I 1,000% agree in that we are not taught it and whatnot. But the other thing that's funny to me is, you know, you're talking about, like, the specific the book not being designed for those specific tactics, but like, especially with, you know, TikTok and Instagram reels, those specific tactics are changing like every hour. But in terms of having, you know, the foundation here, you know, I joked with, um, I want to say it was Guy Sakalakis. It was one of our guests that like, basically everything that we do is like how to win friends and influence people just like at scale in, you know, modern times. Um, so I just, I think that I, I can't imagine as much as somebody might sit there and think the book is beneath them, the foundations of all this stuff, is the stuff that does not change. The specific tactics are what are- Well, and, are, and we do I do discuss different uh, types of tools, right? You know, because there's Instagram, there's TikTok and, you know, but they're kind of categorized in a certain sort of way right now, but they're always evolving and changing. But what I really was coming from was a place of understanding. First of all, you gotta understand who your ideal client is. You've gotta get clear on that. You gotta get clear on what your message is, which differentiators are. So there's a lot of things like that that I'm discussing. When we finally get down to the different platforms or avenues that you might market, I've given some key considerations. So these are things for you to think about. They're just questions to get you thinking about whether this is right for me. So for instance, you love public speaking, right? You love being in front of an audience, talking to people. You're out there everywhere, talking to everybody. So that's a great, you know, all this video, this is great. You, you're, this is your time, baby. You know, so you're out there, you're doing all this. There are a lot of people out there, though, who they don't have the personality for it. They they don't want to be on camera. They don't like the way they sound. They don't like the way they look. They have issues that they, you know, they, they want to go work out therapy before they get on camera. I get it because I'm, you know, uh, at, at my age, I don't really want to be on camera. I don't really love the way I sound. But I have, uh, but I do think that, that they're not shut out of marketing you can still market your business in a very effective way and not be the face that shows up on camera. And, and quite frankly, if you, if you don't like video, I know you want to tell everybody do video, do whatever, whatever. But if you don't like video, you're not going to do it. I had a client last year who all year long, we talked about videos because every time she puts something on YouTube, she got calls and she's my only client. That's not, that's still with me. That's not an attorney, but she's another professional service. She made two videos last year. We talked about videos every time we met last year. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So we had to come up with a different solution for her, a way to create videos that didn't involve her having to fix her hair and get on camera. And so that's really kind of what, you know, what I want people to really be encouraged when they're reading this. If you don't like to do TikTok dances, you don't have to do TikTok dances. There are people out there that will work with you, that will find your, you'll find your people and your tribe, but you have to do something. You have to find some avenue and platform to get the word out about your business and get in front of those clients. So you need to figure out where they are and what no, they're looking I, for. I 100% agree with you. I, and it's, it's funny to me because I think we look at this as like the twofold Venn diagram, like what's going to work for me and what am I going to like, but also really it's like, what's going to appeal to my ideal client and what am I going to be willing to do or enjoy doing? Um, and full disclosure, I don't listen to anything after I do it because I hate the sound of my own voice. So I hope you all don't. I don't either. Way. I put it out there. So if I'm saying crazy stuff, 
uh, that somebody didn't cut out. I don't know. I'm going through blissfully happily, happy, assuming that everything turned out great. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, we had a we had a thing where I posted something with a uh, unintentionally with a um with a typo, and it got like 20 percent more engagement. And some of it was like, hey, you spelled this word wrong or whatnot. And I was like, you know what? If people caught it, they were reading it. You know, it was that important enough. So anyway. Uh -huh. You and no, I have I, talked about typos before, and, and, it, and typos are like a dagger in my heart, and yet I'm learning my lesson because the more people I have on my team, the more likely things are going to go out with something on it that I wouldn't have done it that way, or it has a mistake in it, and I'm, oh, why didn't you guys catch this? But I, but the more you publish, that when you start really hitting publish and putting content out there, and you're producing a high volume of content like you're doing, like I'm doing, you have to let go of the idea of perfectionism and control over every little detail because, you know, there's so much, I mean, think about the last thing you saw in your feed today when you were scrolling, you probably couldn't even tell me. Like the last time you picked up your phone and you're scrolling and you're looking, what was the last post you saw in your feed? Uh, I mean, honestly, I was looking at the post that we posted just now with me and John Stromeyer on our podcasts. But normally, I 100% agree with you. I just happened to be watching that like right before we came here. Right, right. But you know, like people aren't going to remember your typo. The worst, the worst thing is, you know, we when we did this actually last week, we had a wonderful guest, and we had multiple graphics going on multiple different platforms for her podcast episode with me, and in one of them, a couple letters of her name got transposed, and I was just like, oh people you're killing me and of course we fixed it and we got it out but it's already out and you have to you really just have to roll with it and one of the things my husband is always showing me he's always showing me big name people people with you know thousands and thousands and thousands of followers and he said I, yeah i just got this oops email from them today where this link wasn't working or they sent out the wrong thing or he says so you know the, the big the people out there the big players can't keep up with all of it because you know, so you just, and I think that's one of the challenges for a lot of attorneys because so many of, you know, we're detail oriented, we're trained to, that everything matters and how it, you know, the, how it looks matters and how it sounds matters and it all matters and everything. And that may be true when you're submitting something to the court, but when you're putting something on social media, you know, you got to loosen up a little bit because if you get so hung up and uh, you get your panties in a twist over that. You, you're really not going to be able to do this and sleep at night, truly. Well, and also, I mean, look, we're talking about scaling with total ease. If there is a potential client out there who looked at your one word being spelled wrong and gave you a, a genuine hard time about it, are they really somebody that you want to work with when it comes to scaling your firm with total ease? Right, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. So you want to get into the scaling part? You have questions for me about the scaling part? I know yeah. what we were talking about today. We were talking a little bit about this kind of the book and the marketing and sort of why I wrote it. Um, what questions do you have for me about that? So I guess my first one, let's, let's set the stage here. When we're talking about scaling, we're talking about these different stages. Do you have specific, like you're in your initial phase, you're in your growth stage, like do you break it up that way? I don't break it up that way. I thought about breaking it up that way. I've certainly seen other people do it. I mean, I, I guess I kind of do because I offer um, a service, a community, the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League, which I created just for those ones that are kind of in an earlier stage, not even really startups, but maybe you've been practicing a little while. You're getting, you know, you got the hang of things and you're probably making low six figures in revenue. And 
um, that stage, you're not really, um, you're still trying to figure a lot of things out. And you're not really ready usually for a private coaching investment. So I created this, and for the intensity, quite frankly. So I created this uh, program where I actually put together uh, my framework in a, in a course and in a, a group coaching community. And that is for people sort of at that level uh, up until about $300,000 to $500,000. And the reason why is because kind of when you're at that level, it, you're still pretty much a solo and you might have a staff person working for you. Uh, but you, most people, unless you're got, you know, family money someplace or somebody who's supporting you for investing. Um, if you're bootstrapping, like I did when I started my firm, you are, you're not really ready for hiring people until you get kind of that 300, 500 for hiring attorneys, other attorneys. And so that's when things really become a tipping point and start to change for people because now they feel like, okay, this is the time I might be able to bring other lawyers in. And that, and that is a big hurdle for a lot of women law firm owners in particular who I work with the most. I have worked with men. Uh, I do have a, a male client now, but the majority of them are women law firm owners. And and there can be a lot of mindset stuff that has to happen to overcome that first hiring of a lawyer. And then we start thinking about everything now has been living in my head up until that point. How do I get it out of my head so that I can start managing other people? How, who's, a, who's a manager? I'm not a manager. I, what are, I don't know anything about that. I got to start managing people. I got to start leading people, which is different from managing. It's a whole thing. And then uh, and then obviously there are the ones that are that kind of work with me as private clients are usually in that half million dollars or over in that high six and they're ready to scale over a million. Uh, and I've got clients, of course, who renew with me multiple times and they're in the two million, five million dollar range now because you know, we just keep we keep growing, right? And every time you do, there's something new. What you said before, what got you here won't get you there. And that is exactly, and I think so many women law firm owners, you know, we're high achieving women. And what got us here was our hard work. It was our blood, sweat, and tears. It was working to be the best kid in the class to get the gold stars, to be the graduate top of our class, to take the bar and, you know, take the bar in multiple states and get certified in this and that. There's always this high achieving aspect. But you can, you really cannot scale two through a million dollars, generally speaking, without some kind of team doing something for you. Oh, totally. And I love, I love that you use that, maybe dichotomy is the wrong word, but like there's that internal mindset, but then there's also that internal, you know, how to do things and building the system, you know, side of it. Cause you, you know, like I started I started the firm with my wife and she is a much better lawyer than me and still practices and is still a better lawyer than I will ever be. And it was funny because like between the two of us, yes, there were multiple attorneys, but there wasn't that same need for systems. It was when we brought in, you know, a third attorney or, you know, another employee, that's when we realized that like the small conversations between us didn't translate to somebody else doing things, you know, the way that we needed, the order we needed, whatever. Um, and so it was interesting to make that mindset set shift but then also that like physical change to now I need to document systems. Now I need to create these things. Now I need yeah, to. Because how do you, because one of the things is how do you take, and I'm sure you guys experience this. How do you take busy people and then, Oh, we got to sit down. And of course, attorneys, we tend to think of the hard way. I've got to make it a whole project and start from beginning to end and do everything all at once and just apply this whole system to my firm. 
And I can't stop and do that because I'm rolling, you know? And so a lot of it is helping them see and figure out how to, how do I get this stuff out of my head when I don't even have time to think as it is, right? And so that's a lot of, you know, what I'm teaching is this is there, here's a method, here's the system for doing that. Here's how we do that. I had a, about your time for a story here. I'll share a little story yes. again of the conversation I had recently. So I had, I've had conversations recently with a couple different clients, um, actually a private client and then in my mastermind group uh, clients. And they were, they were struggling with this idea of I'm hiring an attorney and they're coming in and they're excited, they're nervous. And so they're staying up at all hours trying to get their systems in better shape before this person shows up. And I told them, I said, when my mother was pregnant with me many, many, many moons ago, many decades ago, she got very sick and she was the stay at home mom of my oldest sister. And so she really had morning sickness throughout the entire nine months. She blames me for getting up to 200 pounds because she was constantly eating saltines to, to keep from, you know, getting sick. So my dad says, why don't you hire somebody to come in and clean the house? And she said, okay. And then she made herself even sicker cleaning the house, the entire house before that person got there because she couldn't stand somebody coming in and seeing her mess. And we were not very messy. My mother was always pretty you know, militant about our cooking. So I, can, I can't imagine that it was that messy to begin with, but she had to clean it before the cleaning person got there. So my mother was never able to really hire any help to clean the house because it defeated the purpose. And that is what I'm seeing with women law firm owners who are, they're delaying and hiring the people that can really make them money and take them to that next level because they're so worried about somebody seeing their mess and they're trying to get their mess in order instead of saying, I'm hiring this person to help me so I can create space and also use their brain power to help us get this mess in order. So it's, it's thinking everything has to be perfect before I can invite somebody in or they're going to judge me. They're going to tell other people about me. I don't know, like all these kinds of things that go through people's heads, right? That's such a smart, cause like I always looked at it from the standpoint of like, I don't have the time to hire somebody and train them. So I will just constantly be overworked until I die or retire. But I love what you're, I mean, that makes so much sense what you're talking about that really it's not a time fear. It's a, they will see the truth fear. Right. Right. They will see my messiness. And, and the funny thing is, is that typically the people they're hiring, they're not paying attention to your, I mean, they, they don't know. They don't know. Maybe they worked at another law firm, but I promise you other law firms got messes too. And you know, the idea that they're judging you. I mean, if uh, like you said before, if, if I'm bringing somebody in that's going to judge me like that, well, how long do you think you're going to last at my business? They're not going to be a good fit for working with me anyway. So, you know, you, we have to overcome kind of our fear of judgment. And the concept is really a who, not how concept. If you've read the book by Dan Sullivan, who, not how, uh, I'll save you from reading it because uh, it, it, that's the message, who, not how. And here's the message. The message is we're asking how, and we should be asking who. So instead of saying, how can I set up systems in my business? We should ask who can help me figure this out so that I can move on with my life. Like, 
how, who can I get to help me and bring their, but we feel like as attorneys, I, I say we, because I, this is me, I'm describing me, especially when I own my, I've had, a, I've had two different law firms, uh, three technically, uh, myself, and, and I am that high achieving person who's a perfectionist, who's detail oriented, who wants to do everything myself. Uh, I struggle to hire other people to help me because I'm, you know, I, I think I'm smarter than the average bear. And I think given enough time, I can figure everything out myself. But how quickly are you going to get where you want to go if you're constantly having to be the brains behind every aspect of your business, right? And truly, I am not the best bookkeeper. That is something that I, I had to have somebody right away help me with that because I actually literally worked as a bookkeeper in, when I was in undergrad and I had taken a little break because I got tired of college. I worked for years as a bookkeeper, kept multiple accounts for this family-owned business. And that is the thing that made me get my butt back into college because I hated it so much. So I'm looking for who, I'm looking for who can do, put all that magic data in and give it, and then give me what I need so I can make decisions for my business. It's that way in all aspects of our business. What are we really, truly good at? I mean, we're really not truly, we're truly not as good as many things that we think we are, right? We may be good, but are we great? Is it our zone of genius? Is it that you know, and so how can we get other people to do some of these other things for us so that we can really shine in our zone of genius, you know? Yeah, my, my wife always talks about my uh, middle-aged white guy confidence. And honestly, the one thing where that works for me is exactly what you said. Like, I know I am terrible at almost everything. And so it's like, I'll try it. And then the minute I'm like, nope, I'll find the, I'll find the person who does it so much better. For bookkeeping being, I, I feel the exact same way about I, that I, um, and so it's just, it's funny. Cause like, then I think a lot of people push back on, well, isn't that being selfish? And you're like, what do you mean? Like I'm creating a job for somebody that they enjoy doing, taking things that I hate doing off of my plate and allowing myself to focus on the stuff that I enjoy doing and that I'm good at to hire more people, to create more jobs, to take on more yeah. clients. And you're letting them shine. You're letting them shine in, in something that they're good at and they enjoy doing. I mean, I know some people like bookkeepers who just that they love it. They love that organization sort of lining up all that data and getting it in the right spots and they'll work for hours to unwrap and unravel and figure out where things are that are missing and oh i don't want to do it but i think let me ask you if you have had this is there something that you're good at but you're not it's not really your zone of genius but you're good at it uh that you're good at but it's not really in your zone of genius I mean, yeah, look, like, look, I'm a good attorney, but I'm not a great attorney and I'm not interested in becoming one or like, or relearning right. how to be one or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I, that for me, I think about that in terms of my writing and my speaking because, and my coaching, right? I am a, I'm really great at, at coaching my clients. I'm really great at coaching my clients. I'm a really good writer. Uh, my whole entire career has been has been because of my writing abilities. That's what has caused me to advance it in life and everything because I'm a trained writer. I have an undergrad degree in journalism and I've worked all my life as a writer. But there are people who do certain types of writing so much better than I do. And my struggles to write things 
that there are other people who do it so much better than I do. And I tend to hang on to that because I'm good enough. I'm better than a lot of people, but I'm still not, you know, the best at it. So for instance, sales copy, I'm not the best sales copywriter. There are a lot of people out there who are so much better at sales copy than me, but it's one of the things I tend to hang on to because eh, I'm good enough. You know, I'll save a few bucks. I'll do it myself. I need it done. My biggest problem is I always need it done yesterday. So I'm never prepared enough ahead of time to hire somebody and say, hey, you know, let's plan this out, right? I've always got some idea and then I'm ready to go with it. So sometimes, too, those things that we're good at can be the thing that's holding us back from doing the thing that we're great at, you know? That's that's so true. And I'm, I'm sure uh, Greg, our producer on this, I'm sure he's cracking up because a lot of times I'll send them emails and be like, hey, guys, I just booked myself for a webinar like uh, next week. We need this whole presentation for it. So like. What do you need from me? And they're like, more time. I'm like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Makes yeah, sense. it moves. It moves quickly, man. It moves quickly with this this world we're in. But I, I I know what you mean about being an attorney. Now, for me, I'm, you know, I was a good attorney. I'm a good attorney. But one of the things for me that was an issue, there were a couple of things. Uh, one of them is is that I have anxiety, and so to always be, I just realized after, you know, after, of course, I've already gone through law school and whatever vision I had in my head of being an attorney, what it meant by the time I got through and I worked on my own for a while and, and I had different businesses and different approaches, I just realized that it was just too much pressure for me because I don't like being in conflict all the time. I, can I argue and can I, you know, my, my partner uh, and I had one law firm where I had a partner in the firm and she just eviscerated people. She loved it, you know, and, and I just, it just wasn't me. I don't really want to be in conflict with people. It's not how I am. I don't want it to be my daily thing. Can I, you know, can I make a great argument? Yes, I can. Can I do a good job for clients? Yes, I can. But the anxiety piece for me was just like, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life being in this state of mind and always having to do things to sort of soothe that anxiety or deal with that. I wanted to be someplace where it felt I could feel joyful every day in the work that I do. And that's certainly the way it is in the work that I do now. It's like, I just, I feel so much joy in working with my clients. They're so inspiring. They're amazing. There are these incredible women who are doing amazing things out there. And then to be able to be a part of that journey and work with them and help them just you know, tweak things a little bit so they can really get to where they're wanting to go. That just lights me up inside, you know, and that's a totally different thing. Um, so was I good at being an attorney? Yes. But did it make me feel full and fulfilled in the way this does? No. I mean, I think you hit being an attorney on the head with that. Like, and the, and the funny part is there are people that hear exactly what you said and feel like you're, you know, your partner and be like, great, that's awesome. There are a ton of attorneys that hear what you said and are like, oh my God, that's me too. And, you know, here we are in this profession where, you know, like I, um, I was talking to a, a Cairo and they were like, what's it like being a lawyer? I was like, imagine if during your next adjustment, another Cairo ran in and tried to screw it up, like in the middle of it while you're doing it, like kicking you in the side. And they're like, that would be terrible. I'm like, well, welcome to litigation. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I also yeah. felt it was like the stress of, you know, there's so many layers of rules. Right. You know, so you got the local court, you got the state, you got the federal, you know, and you got the laws, you got administrative rules, you got all kinds of things that affect what's going on. And I always felt like, you know, 
I'm going to have to give up my bar card, man. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to screw this up so bad. I'm going to, and it's like the only profession other than being a doctor, I guess, where you feel like this fear that your whole career is going to be over if you do one thing wrong, you know? And, and, and that's, you know, that's somebody with anxiety who's talking. There are a lot of people out there who are like, what are you talking about? Right. But I, I feel like there are also people out there who hear me and they're going, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Cause I've had conversations with many who are like that. So for me, that was, that's what led to kind of this decision um, to go down this path. But, you know, now I'm kind of on a mission to help women, law firm owners, start to dream a little bit bigger about what they can do with their lives. You know, because I, I, I see so many who kind of start their law firms because they need the flexibility. They need the flexibility. They think they, they want to be there for their kids there. And, but they don't think they can have the flexibility and the money to like, they may in the back of their mind go, yeah, I can, you know, I, I can do that one day right now. I can't do that. Right. And so for me, I just, I'm wanting to see more, you know, when you're talking about your, your wife's comment about your white male confidence, you know, your, we say, we wish we had the confidence of the average media for white man is kind of a conversation among women. You've yeah. heard it. Um, and I always, I look at the, I, I worked for a law firm before I went to law school and I look at the law firms throughout the country. And when you go to their web pages, they're all, they're, all the partners are white men, white men over 50 club is what I call them. Now I call them white men over 60 club because I'm over 50, but there they are. And now you're starting to see some white women here and there, right? But you very rarely see people of color at that partnership level, unless it's an all black firm or something of that nature. Right. And so for me, I, I, I know that at some point, two guys went to college, went to law school together, came out said, Hey bro, well, let's start our own law firm. Yeah. Let's start our own law firm. They started their own law firm and decades have gone by. Now they've got multi state law firms. They've got these big things. And so what I would like to do is help to plant a scene in that for women. Why, why can't women do the same thing? Why can't people of color do the same thing? Why can't women of color do the same thing? Why can't we do the same thing? And I understand, you know, I understand there are a lot of societal forces, obviously, but what I'm trying to do is just plant the seed that and give hope to that and say, you know, why not hook up with your friend from law school? And I'm seeing so many women doing this now, which makes me, you know, for Clint, like, I love it. Like I see this and it's, it's so touching to see. But that's kind of my mission is to help. And so that's where the million dollars sort of came from. It's like, let's not settle for $500,000. Life will really change for you if you get over a million dollars, because that's going to allow you to not work in your business as much, but to work on your business more and become truly a business person and create that asset for you, right? Well, and that's the... And there are, there are a million legitimate, there are a million reasons why it's stupid to focus on the way that things have been. But also I always come back to like, when you're sitting there in front of a jury that is supposed to be like a random cross section of society. And the only thing you have is like an upper middle-class white lawyer, dude, how do you really frame a persuasive story when you are so insulated from like a normal person or from a different perspective or from, you know, anybody else's background, mindset, wisdom, whatever. And so that's why, like, I just, 
I, I don't know. I mean, it'll take, I don't know what it'll take to get into the head of some of those firms about what they need to do, but even right. from like, and I, for me, and for me to fight, to fight it internally, I don't know if you've read the, I've got a reporter in here walking out the door and it, it's put out by the ABA and it's about women who are leaving in droves law firms when they're in their fifties, because, which is when they should be reaping their rewards because they're just burnt out and exhausted from the whole experience of not having, you know, been treated equally to men. And, um, and so I'm looking at it, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little older and a little dated. Okay. So I grew up in my career in the nineties and in the deep South in very traditional conservative male run, white male run businesses. Right. And so my experience is, is, is different. And there's a whole lot of changes going on now. And it makes me very excited to see that. Um, and so I'm just wanting to be, um, uh, through the work we do, what I'm wanting to do is just be a part of saying, yes, you can, to be an encourager and say, yes, you can do this. You also can hook up with your friend and say, let's go start our own law firm and let's aspire instead of it just being me working out of my kitchen. And some people want to be them working out of their kitchen. That's perfectly fine. But you also can be the owner of a multi-million dollar law firm and still have kids and family because these guys did and i know they had wives and that's what we miss is wives right but you have to you know there are there are ways out there to get that but i i think you really don't unlock that freedom unless you can keep it small and then make it a lifestyle business where you're the one and you could live off what you make and it's great and you have that flexibility and freedom but to me I'm just proposing, hey, why not do a billion dollar revenue generating business or a multi-million dollar revenue generating business? You don't have to have a partner. It can be just you, but you can hire people who work for you and then you have a lot more freedom. And I'm seeing it in the work that my clients are doing. I mean, I'm seeing them actually accomplish that goal and their travel schedule, of course, you know, the pandemic messed that up for everybody, but their travel schedules are just like, yeah, I'm going here, I'm going here, I'm going here. And you know, you're an example of that, right? You're able to go and travel because you got people there doing stuff, making things happen, right? You got a team who's who you're paying, so they're getting their their lives fulfillment by doing work that they love, you know. And you're able to go out and do things that you want to do, right? Same kind of concept. And we have a limited PTO, and so we uh, we've actually, you know, metaphorically kicked some of them in the butt to get them to take some more time off. Um, yeah. yeah, no, listen, I'm, I'm there with you. And I think, you know, I don't know, I don't know enough about it from, you know, your, your perspective, but I know at least from, you know, you're in Seminole County, Florida, I'm in Orange County, Florida. Last I looked, Orange County had a majority female judges. And I think like little things like that help people see the, like the potential, whether that's to be a judge, whether that's to run the giant firm, whatever. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we truly are on the right track, even if we are I don't know, 40 to 70 years behind the times. Well, let me, let me touch on that for just a second, sure. because when I got sworn in um, to the bar in 2007, I was sworn in by one of my mentors who was a circuit judge here in Seminole County. I had six judges at my swearing in, um, the majority of whom were female. So we were really ahead of the curve. I was really excited to be a part of that and have them there. It was, it was a wonderful experience for me. Um, but we, that, I think that's one of the things, too, that I have seen with a lot of kind of disparities in 
along race lines and just in the clients I work with. Now, I don't, again, I, I'm speaking generally, I'm talking about my own personal experience. I'm not talking about, you know, any uh, empirical data or anything, but I see a lot of uh, women of color sort of getting drawn to the public service aspect, whether it's working for a government agency, working for the state, becoming a judge, something getting pulled into sort of the government service, uh, you know, the service aspect. And I, and that's great. We need, we definitely need representation everywhere. But we both know that if you are a public defender or a state attorney, you're not making the big bucks. Even a judge, you may make a six-figure salary, but you make way more money if you own your own private law firm business. And and so we're seeing those, there are those people who are working. And oftentimes I'll start working with somebody and they're saying, I can't give up this government contract that I have because it provides a security and a reliability and that dependence. But until they open their hand and release it, they can't have their hand open for something else. And so one of the things that we've been doing is working with some people on, you've got to let that go. Let that go to the new attorneys who are signing up for those lists who need that experience. And you let go of that, uh, being on that court list to do the court appointed work or whatever. And instead, let's focus on you making the big bucks by getting private clients who can afford to pay you Right, because you know government contracts, they're they're not paying attorneys very much. So there are some things like that. When I'm talking, the reason I the reason it's wealthy woman lawyer is it really is about money, economic power. It's really about economic power. That's what I'm talking about. And I want to see more women and more women of color, more marginalized people who have economic power. Because I know in, in this country, our economic power is not with, with people who are other, right? And who are not male, not white, not cisgender, whatever, right? And so that's, so mine is, my, mine is a little part, you know, like it's, it's a drop in the bucket. I recognize it's a, it's a drop in a, in a pond, right? But it, my hope is that it has that ripple effect that my drop, will affect other people's lives. They will have drops, affect other people's lives. And we will all do that and so on and so forth. And eventually, you know, we'll start to see more, more people, more diverse people with economic power. It's interesting. I, I look at so much of what we do the exact same way, like exactly that drop, you know, drop in the bucket that creates the ripple and hopefully you catch other things. But I mean, look, I, you know, I love that you're, you're talking about you know, the word wealthy, but really you're talking about the freedom that that affords, right? I mean, that, right. that wealthiness is hiring more people. It's taking more time off. It's traveling more. It's being able to say no to the, you know, that a-hole. It's more reason. options. It's more options in life. We know that the more resources you have, whatever those resources are, connections, money, time, whatever it is, more resources you have, the more options you have for the quality of life that you want to live, Right. Totally. That's what it's about. So when we're talking about that that total ease side of this scaling, I mean, you know, we talked about the money, we've talked about the, you know, the impact it can have. But from that total ease standpoint, I mean, having having the systems in place, having the right staff in place. I mean, what are some of the other, you know, must must do's, must haves, must ease factors, ease factors. Well, yeah. I'll tell you why it's called. I tell you why it's called the total ease because I myself was I am this person who hangs on tight 
to beliefs and thoughts and, you know, what I've learned as far in life. And I had a wonderful coach who uh, really, Mandy White Pearl is her name, and she really helped me to reframe my mindset. And we have this belief oftentimes that money come, doesn't come without suffering. I grew up in a working class household. My parents, my dad especially, grew up in you know abject poverty where there was you know two pairs of pants you wore to school. I mean, when you wore to school, like all year long. And that kind of thing. And then so they were middle, lower middle class income, you know, they state workers, they made that. And so the living to paycheck to paycheck. So I had a lot of beliefs around money. Um, I didn't grow up in wealth, right? And so for me to be able to create that, I had to learn like how how do how does one create that? And I realized so much of what was keeping me from getting what I wanted were my beliefs and the way that I view the world and the, and the things that I thought to be true. They were thoughts that I think over and over again, that therefore they are beliefs that I hold because a belief is just a thought you think over and over again. So I had to learn how, so she said to me, what would it be like if you just let it be easy? What would it be like if it were easy? What if you didn't have to suffer to get the thing? What if you didn't have to work yourself to get the thing? What if, because money is energy, you know, and uh, money comes from source and through people, but it doesn't come from people. And what if you change your perspective on what money is and how it shows up and you ask for it just to show up and you didn't have to do anything to get it to show up. You could just ask for it, ask the universe to provide, you ask for it to show up. And what that did was it allowed me to release my death grip on my beliefs um, and a very you know black and white kind of viewpoint and expand that money can show up in many different ways. So it doesn't have to come through my business. It can come other ways. Wealth can show up in many places, in, in many ways. So what would it be like if I just open myself up and then the next thing you know, there's an email in my inbox and somebody wants to partner with me, collaborate to do something and it's going to make me money. And I never even considered it because how could I? I didn't even know such a thing existed, right? So it was about opening up so that you could begin to see all the opportunity around you. And so a lot of the work that I do with my clients is, it's a little woo, I know, but a lot of work that I do with my clients, um, in addition to, you know, the actual practicality consulting piece of it that we, you mentioned, is our, our biggest obstacle is our own mind and our own beliefs that oftentimes beliefs that we have that we don't even know where they came from. We don't even know they're still blocking us. And really reframing and asking, does this continue to serve me in the way that it did before when I needed to believe that. Now I now I need to think about whether or not this serves the life I'm trying to create. And so it's really a lot of untangling and unraveling tightly held beliefs and, and looking at where that could be holding us back, right? So well, that's what the ease part is. And isn't so much of that kind of like weirdly liberating, right? Like it, like if, if, my, if I am the problem, if my mind is the problem, it is so much easier for me to change, you know, my daily mantra. It is so much easier for me to change my actions or habits than it is for me to expect somebody else to change or somebody else to, right. you know, think differently. It's your perspective too. And it also, it also puts you, I mean, for me, it was a place of, it also is a place of gratitude because when you start focusing on, you know, I, I saw a meme the other day, somebody was, uh, you know, all this stuff's been going on in Ukraine and, somebody was saying something and they go, you know, but you're here scrolling 
and you're not in a subway with 15,000 other people right now to avoid being bombed out. And looking at your life and sort of looking at no matter where you're living and what you're doing and how you may be comparing yourself to people who have the thing that you think you want, it's also good to can it's also good to look at your life and go, man, I'm I live in Florida and I live in this, you know, really nice house and we have air conditioning. And oh, I'm so grateful for the air conditioning this time of year. And I know other people are freezing, but it's warm down here. And I'm like, you know, and just looking at all all that you already have in your life will create more abundance for you as well because you'll be able to see it more easily. And and then it'll will it'll raise your vibration and you'll attract more. And I and like I said, I know it's woo, but it works for me. It works for a lot of my clients um, and who, the ones who are willing to go on that journey with me. I, it's nothing I created. It's all it's all my years of study and all the wonderful people who, you know, shown a path for me to be able to to let go of some long held beliefs and open up for more possibilities, you know, and I still have those blind spots and we all do, you know, you all still have those spots where you're like, you know, I don't really know how to do that. Well, then maybe what I need to do is just relax a little bit and ask the universe to show me who, who can help me figure that out. Right. Right. Well, it's, it's woo, but it's true. Like when's the last time, you know, you finish a car ride and you get out and you're like, I'm so thankful I didn't get in an accident. I didn't get stuck in traffic. I made it here on time. Like we don't do that. Instead, you focus on Looking like a true personal injury attorney. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's 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 true. That's fair. Yeah. Right. So that's as right. we get as we get towards our last, you know, five minutes or so, um, is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover when we're talking about this scaling your law firm to one million plus with total ease? Uh, well, I would just say if you if that's your goal, if that's something that you want, you really want to be wealthier. You want to have a more prosperous life. I would just tell you that I wish in 2007, when I started my firm, that there were as many resources as there are out there now. Even when I started doing this um, in 2013, there weren't as many people out there who were working specifically with attorneys. And now we see so many people who are attorneys working with attorneys and helping them figure things out and teaching and mentoring and, and coaching and all those things. They're there to open yourself up to possibilities, open yourself up and just ask the universe. You don't have to have the answer right away. Who, who can help me? Who can help me figure this out? Who can, who can shortcut circuit this for me? Who is my next teacher, right? I'm always looking for my next teacher. I'm constantly listening to podcasts, reading books. You know, it doesn't have to be some high ticket program. You can, there's a lot of resources out there for you, but ask, you know, who's my next teacher? Who can I learn from? And you know what they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I really believe that. I know it's been the case for me and I've, and I've seen that for a lot of people. So that would be yeah. what I would say. No, totally. I mean, what I, what I have found so much is, you know, anything, so much of what you're paying for, especially from a knowledge perspective, you could find for free, but you're paying for the time it takes you to find that you're paying for the accountability of showing up with somebody else or with a group that you have to be. You're paying for, you know, the skin in the game that makes you put the effort in to do it. And so I just, I really, I really echo what you said. I love that concept of just like being wealthy, not like that doesn't necessarily have to be solely financial, but there is this like betterment of your life that leads to a betterment more of options, your business. More options, more options, more options. options. Yeah. Right. And you could be in a room with you, it's somebody once said to me, look around the room, 
that's that's what you want to you want to ask who's in the room and who's not in the room who's not allowed to be in this room right it matters what rooms you're in you know it matters it matters who you're hanging out with and if you're hanging out with people who are not um who are not supporting your dreams no matter how you know i i certainly i was told a lot of really negative things when i started my practice from people who loved me and wanted to see me do well, but who had fear, who had fear about my choices. And I had to go and seek it. For me, I paid for to be in certain rooms. I paid a lot of money to be in certain rooms and it completely changed my life. Um, so that was my choice. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And obviously for everything that you're doing, it is the number of people that have sent me a message or commented on something about this episode to give you some wonderful praise and thanks and appreciation clearly goes to show that I think you, you might be underselling just that one, you know, drop in the bucket. It might be uh it might be the beginning of the way. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are a few people out there who also got a little voodoo doll somewhere with my name on it, but you know, yeah. that you they, can't, you, they didn't reach you out can't to always me. Be happy alive, right? Very true. <laughs> All right. So um, I want to talk about our next episode, then we'll do our final takeaway. So our next episode is going to air on March 7th. So that is next Monday. We've got Randa Prendergast on. Our topic is Don't Leave It to Beaver, How to Succeed with the Right Staff. For those who didn't know Randa, Randa runs June Legal LLC, where she helps firms find the right paralegals, train the right staffing fit, get all that stuff lined up to execute on the workflows, et cetera. So it'll be a very systems and staffing driven conversation. Um, if you're interested in hearing more about that, which dovetails very nicely into what Davina talked about today. Uh, join us again Monday, March 7th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So same time as this episode, just on Monday. And with that, Davina, you have shared a very, very honest and vulnerable stories, very great insight and very awesome takeaways that we can do. But I do want that one more, whether it's repeating something else or something totally different. So you want more, Jordan, you want more. Well, always ask for more because that's the secret right there. Always ask for more. Um, All right. There we uh, go. Yeah. There, there you go. Ask for more. Uh, when, just when you think you've got it all, say more, please, like Oliver Twist. <laughs> yeah. I no, I, I think, I think, um, like I said, uh, I, I do think ask, ask. So many people don't ask and ask because you never know what, what people might, what their answer might be. Totally. And, and, and don't be, don't be disappointed by the nine people that say no or don't respond because the 10th one who says yes might have been the best fit. Is the person begin. that you're waiting for to show up. That's the person. So we talk about ease. That's it. It's that, that that's the person that the universe is sending to you, that 10th person. And if you had accepted the first nine, you're dodging a bullet. I, that's one of the things I will say before we wrap up. I will say one of the things is that I've come to look at it. For those people, because I do a lot of sales calls with people, I do a lot of little laser coaching sessions with people and stuff. And there are many who do not hire me and they're not ready. They're not ready. And sometimes what I have learned to do is be, I used to get very, you know, like, I, I know I can help them. You know, why didn't they hire me? And I could help them. And I began to realize that the universe was protecting me. I envisioned here I am sitting here on the earth and there's an asteroid coming at me. And I don't know it. I can't see it. I just think it's a beautiful, shiny rock. And I'm, I'm wanting to work with this person. I'm seeing all the good. And that thing goes right past me. And when it goes past me, I'm going, that was the universe protecting me because there's something in that person's journey that I don't know about. 
that they are about to deal with and face. And I would not be, it would not be good for me or good for them if we work together right now. And I have literally seen that happen because a couple months later, something might unfold with somebody. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad she didn't start this program because she wouldn't have been able to participate in it because now she's facing this huge medical crisis or now, you know, this thing has happened in her life or, or I see something happen and I go, yeah, they would not have been a good fit to work with me. And I, I didn't see that. Right. So sometimes too, when you're thinking about your clients, you're thinking all oh, that big case that I want, and this is, you know, and you're, you're getting down on yourself about it, or maybe I wanted to hire this person and they quit, you know, they didn't even show up for day one. Just thank, thank, you know, the universe, thank God, thank whatever your, your view is on the world or life and say, I'm really glad that that happened because that just wasn't meant for me. Obviously somebody better is going to come along. And I've seen it happen with my clients when they've had their employees not work out and that somebody comes along who's way better fit for them. Very true. Well, thank you so much for joining us to everybody listening and watching Davina Frederick of wealthywomenlawyer.com of wealthy women lawyer podcast of wealthy women lawyer on Instagram um, just a wonderful guest, a wealth of, of knowledge, a great resource, and just a cool person also. So thank you so much for the time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was so much fun, Jordan. Thanks for having me here. Have a great day, everybody, and hope to see you all back Monday the 7th at 2 p.m. for our next episode.